the Working Smarter Podcast, presented by Calabrio. This podcast, just like the software we make at Calabrio, is designed to help you get the most out of the resources that are available to you. This includes both technology resources and, more importantly, human resources. In this series, we will discuss industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. Join us as we learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. And welcome back to the Working Smarter Podcast presented by Calabrio. I am your host, Brad Snedeker, and I am very excited to be kicking off season two of the Working Smarter Podcast. We have so much great content to bring to you this year, and I am really excited to be kicking that off. We have an amazing guest that we're going to be kicking the season off with. If you spend any time at all reading industry publications in the contact center industry, reading analyst reports to find out what's new, what's coming down the pipe, then I'm sure our guest needs no introduction. But just in case you don't spend your days reading industry publications, our guest today is Paul Stockford, the president and chief analyst at Saddletree Research based in Scottsdale, Arizona. If you're not familiar with Saddletree, Saddletree provides focused communication industry research. This includes analysis of things like market trends, issues, technologies, and companies in the contact center industry. They have a special emphasis on emerging technologies and developing markets. Paul regularly authors articles on contact centers and related technologies for several industry journals in the U.S. and abroad. He has monthly columns in magazines such as Call Center, CRM Magazine, Customer Interface, Voice Processing, and many more. He has a wealth of knowledge about the contact center industry and is always willing to share that information. So we're always really happy when we get a chance to sit down and talk to Paul. And today is no exception. Paul stopped into the studio to discuss his view on contact center disruptors, things that are disrupting the contact center industry both today and in the future. He has a lot of great information to share with you. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Joining us in the studio this afternoon, again, as part of our ongoing series at Calabrio Customer Connect this year, we're honored to have as our guest, the president and chief analyst for Saddletree Research, Mr. Paul Stockford. Paul, thank you for for joining us today. Oh, it's it's a pleasure to be here. This is a uh, something I look forward to every year, and I and, and enjoy the uh, opportunity of speaking face to face with uh, the folks from Calabrio and meeting your customers and and uh, hearing about their uh, experiences in the the world of customer experience. Yeah, yeah, and I can tell you that we echo that those sentiments on our on our end as well. It's it's great to get together with our our clients and our partners and our, and the industry analysts and thought leaders that we're able to bring together here. Um, it's it definitely my favorite event of the year. So again, thank you so much for being a part of it for as long as you have. So. My pleasure. Um, so maybe for for some of our listeners that uh, might not be familiar with uh, with your career, maybe you could just give us a little bit of background on your you know career in the in the industry. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Saddletree, maybe some of your other uh, industry exploits. Okay, um, this could get ugly, but let me <laughs> let me start. Uh, I'll go back a long time, uh, actually 30 years. 30 years ago is when I started my career as an analyst at uh, DataQuest in San Jose, California. And and, um, I was there for four years, originally started uh, as an analyst covering the voice messaging industry. Believe it or not, that was an industry at one time, a standalone uh, technology. But before I joined DataQuest, 
the um, group telecom director was a man named Jim Carricker, and he left DataQuest and moved literally right across the street on Ritter Park Drive in San Jose from DataQuest and had a little startup called Aspect. And so I would go across, literally walk across the road and talk to Jim uh, about Aspect and about the the, uh, call center industry as it was uh, more commonly known at that time. And that started my interest in this whole uh, industry and uh, my interest as an analyst in uh, customer service and and the contact center. So from DataQuest, I went to a a firm called uh, Instat, which had just been purchased by Connors Publishing out of Boston, and they dubbed it Connors Instat Group, and they needed a, a uh, an analyst to start the telecom group, that telecom practice. And so I was actually recruited by someone who I used to work with at DataQuest to move to Scottsdale and um, start uh, covering the market uh, for Instat. And uh, I did that for uh, from 96 until 99, when I had one of those moments that most of us have as an, uh, as an adult where, you know, you're toying with an idea in the back of your mind for years, like I was about um, uh, trying to do this on my own. And uh, I, I uh, was one of these types of uh, individuals that hated sitting in meetings <clears throat> that uh, had an idea of what I would like to do with my career more than my bosses had. <laughs> Uh, for me. And so in a very orderly uh, and organized manner on November 1st of 1999, I I founded Saddletree Research. Um, So if you uh, look at your calendar, you'll see that I'm about to celebrate 20 years as an independent analyst in uh, the contact center industry. What I've tried to do in my career is pay attention to companies and technologies that have a lot of growth potential that may not initially have the resources or even the wherewithal to uh, engage with the big guys, um, and but still need that market coverage. And I think the market is, should still get information about these uh, companies, whether they're um, startups or whether they're uh, companies that are that are in business but are have come up with some sort of innovative idea that may be you know, t- viewed by the industry as being somewhat a little out in left field, but that I think has some potential. And um, what brought me to Calabrio back in 2006, believe it or not, uh, was their approach to workforce management. Calabrio at the time was a little company just outside Montreal, Canadian company, staffed by a lot of people whose names I couldn't pronounce because they were all French Canadian. And from there, I uh, followed Calabrio through the acquisition by Spanlink and then through the spinoff as an independent. And then I was still uh, uh, with Calabrio at the the dawn of the um, Tom Goodmanson era Mm -hmm. and have watched uh, Calabrio just uh, uh, soar, as it were, as an organization, as a as a market leader, as a thought leader, as an innovator. And it's been a real fun ride. And this is one of the, my favorite things to do every year is come out here and see what's what's going on next at Calabrio. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought me here today. And of course, 
Uh, I also like to take the, I get invited to speak at the conference. And so that's something I, I, uh, always enjoy, mm-hmm. uh, just as I did today. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and I, you know, I can tell it's coming from somebody who's, I've been with the organization since, since, uh, in the spam link days as well. So I know we, we, uh, really appreciate your insights as somebody that's always keeping your, uh, kind of finger on the pulse of, of what's next and what's big in the industry. Uh, you know, you're, you're a, a really great resource, uh, for us, uh, to make sure that, you know, we're constantly, uh, delivering, uh, to the market, you know, what, what's, you know, important, uh, to the contact center industry at large. So, um, so with that in mind, so again, I, what I thought we'd talk about a little bit today, you're, you're here talking mm-hmm. about, um, about disruption to the disruption to the industry and, right. and specifically, um, if it's fair to say, I think you're talking about generational disruption and the, and the, and the different demographics that we have within the contact center. It's a fascinating right. topic. I'd love it if you could expand a little bit upon that. Sure. Um, well, I can give you, I can give you the, uh, cliff notes version, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'll make my argument in this way. And then if you want to expand, we'll do that. But I tell people when I, when I tell them this, that this is, uh, this is the parallel that I draw. And I think if you, if you can grasp this and you can grasp what's going to happen in, and will happen in the contact center. And that has to do with the uh, taxi cab industry. And in the session I did today, for example, I asked how many people flew in and that was the majority of the people how many people jumped into a taxi cab and, you know, maybe a quarter of the people raised their hand. And I said, how many people, and that would include me, ran and jumped into an Uber mm-hmm. and the rest of the hands went up. And the uh, argument that I make is that the taxi cab industry is very similar to the contact center industry today. What I believe happened in, has happened to the taxi cab industry is one day, somebody probably in a, a, of a millennial generation uh, age called it for a cab and said, uh, well, I need a cab uh, and in about 15 minutes. Well, we're not sure we can be there. When, when can it be there? Well, I'm not sure. All right. Well, how long is it going to take me to get from here to where I'm going? Well, I, I don't know. How much is it going to cost me at the other end? Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was probably enough to get somebody's wheels turning <laughs> And to say, there's got to be a better way to do this. And now I don't need to explain uh, Uber to anybody, but the, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the uh, yellow cab company and some of these other big cab firms that have always done it this way. And we've always, as consumers, had to comply because there was no uh, alternatives. I think the same, a similar phenomenon is about to happen in the contact center in terms of how customer service is delivered and how contact center workers expect their workplace environment to be in the future. And I, and I believe this is based on the, the, the expectations and the requirements as both workers and consumers of primarily the millennial generation and, and generation Z. If we go, if we back up and look at who these folks are, uh, Generation Z uh, are today, they're about age 16 to 22. They represent in 2019, they represent about 5% of the workforce. By the end of next year, by the end of 2020, they'll represent about 20% of the workforce. Today, the millennial generation aged about 23 to 39, they, about one in three workers today are millennials. 
by the end of next year, there'll be 50% of the workforce. They'll be the majority of the workforce. <clears throat> if we look at the Gen Xers, who would be 39 to 54 uh, today, that uh, segment of the workforce has been shrinking since about 2017. And of course, the boomers, who are 55 to 73, are um, uh, are are making their exit. I guess is it. In fact, the the Social Security Administration uh, reports that every day in the U.S., 10,000 people turn 65. 10,000 people a day wow. turn 65, and of those people. 69% are out of the workforce by age 66. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of turnover that's happening uh, in the uh, uh, contact center industry from, from a generational perspective. And the expectations of, the, of the, um, the new generation, I guess is the best way to put it, primarily Generation Z and the millennials are entirely different from the not only the expectations, but but what previous generations have had to put up with uh, in the contact center. As consumers, um, Gen Zs are only about five percent now. They're they're well, they're still consumers, but only about five percent are adults. Mm -hmm. And um, again, if you go down the line, uh, millennials will become more influential as other um, as other generations. Uh, I don't want to say shrink. That's better. <laughs> exit. There you go. So um, anyway, it's something that we've been interested in uh, exploring. And one of the ways that I'm able to do that at Saddle Tree Research is through a, uh, an association I have with a not-for-profit group called the National Association of Call Centers, or the NACC, as it's, it's more commonly known. The NACC started in 2005 by uh, an associate professor at the University of Southern Mississippi, David Butler, who had written a couple of books on the call, on call center management, actually. And uh, as all good associate professors do who are trying to get tenure, um, pursued this avenue of research and uh, es eventually established an association, the National Association of Call Centers. It was established as a not-for-profit university-based, and the primary function originally was research, and then they also established a relationship with the Mississippi uh, Office of Employment Development. They had two 50-seat uh, call centers and used that as what he called the, they called the call center lab. So if vendors wanted to bring in a product, say, for example, a headphone, a headset, and, and uh, test it in a, a real-life environment, they, they could do that. And so from there, it sort of grew as a, it began to, to take on uh, interest from primarily uh, call center professionals, customer service professionals. And, and it started, it evolved into this organization, mm -hmm. uh, a not-for-profit organization. <clears throat> With a primary function uh, or focus on research uh, and primarily on the uh, end user side, the, the customer service professional side, and my research primarily on the technology and the vendor side, a mutual business acquaintance put us together and uh, David and I. And in 2008, I started working with the NACC as research director under contract. And I still do that today. What that does is it gives me a reach into the end user community that I wouldn't have otherwise. And we 
both take advantage of the the experience of these professionals to to do our the research that we both need. So today, David is the vice provost for research and dean of the School of Graduate Studies at Middle Tennessee State University. And so we're able to leverage some of the university resources, uh, such as graduate students, to help us with our research. And that's where the data that I'm going to talk a little bit about this afternoon comes from. All the data is conducted um, at university levels, all 95%. It's it's representative of the industry at a 95% confidence level with a a margin of error of about 3.8%. So that's that's the source of the data that... uh, um, that I find so valuable and when I talk about and, and so fascinating when I talk about what's happening uh, uh, in the industry. We could talk, for example, about um, some of the uh, trends that that I think are uh, have started to grow as a result of mm-hmm. these generational issues. For example, the at-home workforce. Yeah. Now, we've been tracking that for about four years and it's we've seen gradual growth year over year in terms of contact centers that have uh, a workforce at home uh, at all any any sort of uh, uh, agent population working from home 2018 about we had about 50% 50.3% of uh, the industry had some at home agents in 2019 it's uh, almost 57% and and it really is a uh, a double-edged sword uh, on a positive note for work-life balance for example which is very very important to new generation workers mm-hmm. um you have an opportunity to to offer uh, a home uh type uh work environment and remember what i was talking about and the number of retirees on a daily basis there are that's also a potential untapped, potentially untapped workforce. If you can tap into that uh, uh, population of retirees and offer them an opportunity to work from home at hours, you know, that are suitable to them, mm-hmm. then it starts to address some of the bigger issues in the industry like uh, turnover, um, uh, recruitment, and so on. You've got a uh, you've got a built-in workforce as long as you don't mind them working from home. So we're seeing we're seeing a, a, an increase in percentage of their workforce that, that are, is working from home. Uh, as we've followed this trend for the last, I, I think it's four years, about three for the th- first three years, we would ask what percentage of your workforce is working. F- those of who those who responded, they had a home agent workforce. Mm-hmm. We would ask what percentage of your workforce is working from home <clears throat> and they um the response was less than 10 percent from the majority this year the majority has moved up a classification from 11 to 25 percent so the percentage of agents working from home from contact centers who have a home agent program is now 11 to 25 percent of the uh of their workforce in the majority of our respondents and that would be um, about, uh, 30, 38, 38% thereabouts. Yeah. If I, if I could ask a, a question about that, it's because it, I, I find this, this, um, this trend really fascinating and to see that you're definitely seeing that 
the the growth of this happening mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you saw it was, what, a five percent increase over the, in the last year. Yes. Uh, so uh, I feel like uh, I, I've, I've worked in the contact center industry. I'm, I'm about twenty years twenty years, and I feel like we've been talking about this idea of the virtual contact center for as long as I've been in in the industry. We've been talking about it forever, but we're finally now seeing it really start to come to life. At least, again, this is what I'm seeing as a mm -hmm. as a non academic in the right. in the industry, just kind right. of uh, listening and talking to folks. Do you have any thoughts on on why it's taken this long? Is it is it the demographic shift that's driving it? Is it technology that's driving it? Do you have any thoughts uh, on kind of what's what's finally making the push actually happen in reality? Well, it's probably a combination of both. Mm -hmm. uh, but broadband is ubiquitous now. Everybody's got it. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got broadband and. Uh, a, uh, uh, all you need really from home is a Chromebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and you can, you can, uh, set yourself up and you're, you're working. So the, the technology barriers have definitely come down. And from a, uh, a personnel or social perspective, I think we're starting to see a, uh, a realization that it's, it's going to be a necessity for uh, work-life balance for a, a lot of members of, a, of a, the newer generation of, of workers. Um, let, me, let me throw something else out uh, in terms of home workers, and that would be um, the possibility of gig agents, mm -hmm. like gig workers, for example, Uber drivers are are gig workers. They provide their own equipment. They uh, work the hours that they want. They respond to uh, shift bids, I guess, if you will, as and and uh, geographic areas where they're they're going to work. Why wouldn't that work in the contact center? Yeah, it seems like a natural fit. Training now. I mean, you can get a degree online, mm -hmm. so you can certainly train an, an agent in a couple of weeks online. The agent provides a computer, the phone, all the equipment that the gig agent and uh, when the contact center needs them, whether it's seasonal work or, or whatever the case may be, the call goes out for uh, anyone who wants to work these hours on these days and under these circumstances. And the gig agent responds, yes or no. And once the number of gig agents needed has been re reached, you know, that that request for uh, workers um, ends uh, the same as it does in, in an Uber environment. And they can either work from home or come into the brick and mortar, but there's, there's no reason that shouldn't work. And so one of the things we wanted to gauge was whether or not that was feasible to customer service professionals. So we asked, mm -hmm. and we were ac actually very surprised to learn that seven over 7% of contact centers in the U.S. today are using some sort of gig agents. Wow. And the scheduling, I'm sure, is a challenge. That's mm -hmm. going to have to be addressed. But there are uh, uh, clearly contact centers that are finding the way around it. Um, but another almost 20 percent in, in our uh, research said they are considering gig agents for 2019. So we'll see how that ends up, uh, that, how that looks by the end of the year. And another 39% said, yeah, it's possible. We didn't rule it out. Mm -hmm. um, it probably won't be in, in 2019, but we're not ruling it out. Mm -hmm. So, and again, this is another way to tap into the retirees too. Right. Why right. not? You know, add them to your uh, potential gig agents and, and your workforce expands and you're addressing turnover issues and um, uh, coverage issues that 
that uh, up till now uh, have been turnover, as you as you know, is the, is the bane of the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a way to start addressing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So the flip side of the coin then is is uh, you know we're ta- we've been talking about our our workforce staff and mm-hmm. and how the generational demands are going to be impacting things. But what about uh, maybe talk a little? You hinted at this a little bit earlier, but maybe talk a little bit about how uh, the other side of the coin, the customer side of things, are being impacted by demographic. And they are being impacted in a major way. Let's think about it for a second. So let's start with millennials, for example. Remember, the millennials are about 23 to 39 years old. This is a generation that has grown up with information at their fingertips. They're used to uh, using numerous devices to get what they need in terms of information and answers and so on. And they're very self-reliant. So self-service is a natural but remember, this is also the uh, Hey Siri generation. Mm-hmm. So this is not a generation who will patiently go through <laughs> menu trees and IVR menus uh, to get to what they need. This is, hey, Siri, I need uh, the customer return department or <laughs> mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And uh, so I think from from a uh, contact center perspective, we're seeing the beginning of the driver for conversational bots in self-service type of applications. It's going to have to be um, uh, conversational as opposed to as uh, 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 the tedious IVR menus that previous generations will have tolerated because really there hasn't been any uh, any alternatives. Remember, too, that this the, the millennial generation is a generation that's that is not afraid of change. Mm-hmm. I mean, even up to this day, how, how many times have you downloaded a new operating system for your, your smartphone? I mean, I did it just this week. Mm-hmm. I got a new op, a new I, iOS for my um, for my iPhone. So customer new customer experiences aren't going to phase mm-hmm. the, the, this generation. It's not going to be like the old generations that that. You know, you change something in the process and you get a bunch of complaints. Well, it didn't used to be this way. Yeah. I used to press one and get this. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to be a uh, an issue. But the customer facing technology has to be intuitive. It's not it, it can't it's got to be as easy to use uh, as a smartphone. Mm-hmm. The uh, another important factor, and this is a, a true for both uh, Generation Z and millennials, is that there is not a loyalty factor anymore the way that previous generations uh, displayed or practiced loyalty. One bad experience and they're going to be gone. As long as there's an alternative and there is an alternative to just about everything these days, uh, one bad experience will, will lose a customer. And not only that, this is also a very social generation. So one bad experience isn't just going to go stay with that individual. It's going to go to Facebook. It's going to go to Yelp. It's going to go to Amazon, to Twitter, anywhere where there's a potential of, um, of sharing that information. Um, and, you know, when you look at Gen, Gen Z's, this is the first digital native generation. This is a generation that has never known life without the Internet. That's true. The day yeah. they were born. The, the customer service is going to have to be as as easy and and intuitive as using their their uh, smart device. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's going to have to be immediacy of response, just like there is on a uh, smart device. 
And so we're looking at now maybe a, a, uh, a an, an evolution from email to web chat, for example. So you get the immediacy of response that you don't get uh, otherwise. This is a group that's, that is born to multitask. Mm-hmm. So omni-channel is, is going to be uh, another necessity. I was speaking to an NACC agent, uh, earlier agent, uh, member earlier this year. And I, in, in a, in the course of a conversation, which I typically hold with members toward the, this time of year, you know, and ask about what are you going to, what are your plans for 2020? What are you thinking about? What, what's keep, what's keeping you up at night? Uh, and she said, oh, we've got to get omni-channel. And I said, oh, okay, what, what's going on? She said, we, we've got agents who are, who are web chatting and while they're calling us, they're coming in on two channels at once. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we need to get a better channel, uh, handle on, on their channel experiences and then what channels are being, uh, utilized and so on. So from, from that perspective, uh, there's going to be, well, from both perspectives, from, from a worker and a, a customer service perspective, there's going to have to be some changes made. For example, scheduling, uh, gig agents are going to have to work in from, uh, work into the scheduling, uh, algorithms, uh, menu trees are going to become conversational, uh, bots, conversational interfaces mm-hmm. and automation, I think is going to play an important role for both uh, agents and customers in terms of the, the role that these intelligent agents can, can play, uh, serving, uh, information and, and fetching information actually to, to both agents and customers. Um, another interesting thing is we're seeing the, the, uh, emergence of some old, older, some older established technologies that are, that are seeing a new life. For example, web chat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those, you know, what's old again is new again type mm-hmm. of things. But for the past two years, we've seen a real uh, significant jump in, in adoption rates from 48% penetration in 2017 up to almost 60% penetration in uh, 2018. Wow. Uh, we expect it to be over 70% penetration by the end of um, this year. And the reason behind it, frankly, is that it aligns with the requirements of both uh, millennials and Generation Z. So look for uh, a an acceleration in web chat and an omni channel, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Um, we're seeing um, a, 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 about twenty percent adoption now, but. Uh, by the end of this year, probably close to 50% in terms of uh, uh, actual adoption and, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, implementation. Yeah. Yeah. I can, t- I can tell you from my own, I'm, I'm a little outside the millennial generation, not too, not too far out, but chat is by far my preferred channel. It's, it's just so convenient to be able to, you know, not necessarily interact in real time, real time, but close to real time and get the same, hopefully the same answers to those questions that you would get by having to sit on hold and wait for somebody to talk to you and, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's really convenient. I can, I can definitely see why it's improving or why it's increasing. Here's the thing. Well, let me, let me, before I, before I come up with my big finish, (laughs) uh, let me, let me run down quickly what, what we discovered when we 
talked in very in, in very informal way to uh, members on a voluntary basis. We we basically sent out an all points bulletin and said, hey, we want to chat with what with anyone who'd like to tell us, you know, what's keeping you up at night thinking about 2020? What's mm-hmm. what's really on your mind? And we got some really good response. Now, remember, this is totally unscientific. This doesn't fall under the qualification of uh, 95%. Uh, confidence level, but but it's telling nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And we we didn't ask for well, you know, choose one from the following, just whatever, however many things, whatever's on your mind. And we came up with uh, a number of issues that we ca- categorized into three categories: the uh, employee engagement, customer experience, and just general industry. And what we found, for example, in employee engagement is turnover tr- uh, and retention. Training retention turnover is a huge issue. It hasn't gone away. It has been an issue probably for as long as I've been following this industry. And it remains an issue today. Um, Agent motivation uh, and uh, also knowledge management, organizing the information. I think there's becoming a realization that in order to serve this generation, these new generations, we have to be much more organized. We can't have a bunch of information in binders and in file cabinets and in somebody's desk drawer. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be organized like information on their on a smart device. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at things like knowledge management. On the customer experience side, a lot of people mentioned tech, uh, self-service. Several mentioned um, text support for customer service, mm-hmm. SMS sure. support. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, artificial intelligence came up a couple of times, mostly out of curiosity. I think, you know, there are always people that are always looking three years, five years ahead, whatever, and they're, uh, uh, and they're interested in these technologies. And then general industry, uh, we like moving to the cloud, for example, there were several uh, people who said, we, we got to move to the cloud next year and we're, you know, thinking about how we're going to do it. It's keeping us awake a little bit at night. So we, we put all those into classify into these classifications and tallied up the, the responses. And what we found was 53% mention of employee engagement as a top issue going in for 2020. So that's really not a surprise. What it is, is a validation of the fact that it's still an issue in this industry. Uh, the customer experience came in about 34% and the remainder 13% was general, general industry. So for looking ahead, um, it's a still an employee, uh, uh, human, uh, man, human capital management sounds like a, a, a very cold term, but it's true. It's still, it's, it's still a, it's still a people game. It's still a people industry. But the way that those uh, people, and I mean specifically the new generations, millennials and Generation X, expect to be uh, find their in the, the conditions to find in their workplace and the ways that they expect to receive customer service uh, are changing everything. Mm-hmm. And the the difference between this and any disruptive occurrence in the industry. And I believe that's an overused term because most everything you can think of that somebody has said, it's going to be disruptive. You can pretty much, you can bypass it or set it on the shelf or not worry about it. And it usually it'll go away. Mm-hmm. This is one, this is one phenomenon that's not going to go away. You can't make it go away. <clears throat> and I think what the realization is going to be 
is going to be similar to what Yellow Taxi is coming is coming to realize right now is there has been a change in our customer base. Our customers now prefer to have exact, precise information delivered to a smart device. They're no longer satisfied with taking our phone call and, and hoping that we show up. Right. Uh, and if you can draw that parallel in your mind to uh, uh, horrible, slow, inefficient self-service, long cues for uh, speaking to an agent, uh, inefficient channels, uh, inefficient chat, uh, all the things that are that are uh, not all unfortunately too common in the industry today. Uh, it's it's going to go away. It has to go away. Now here's here's my I'll I'll finish with this. One of the things that we we looked at when we uh, back in March we did some additional research. And we asked, what is the state of customer experience or CX or the importance of CX in your, in your company today? And 40% reported it's what we live for. We, it drives everything. The customer experience, we understand, we get it. You know, the customer experience is so important. It drives everything. Another 52% said it's important to us. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a, it's a consideration, but it's an important consideration. So that, that's 93% of the industry that said it's important or very important. Um, so clearly the customer experience is becoming a dominating, a driving industry force. But here's the interesting part. When we asked well, how are your, uh, is your company supporting these efforts to optimize the customer experience, drive the customer experience? Um, the, the results were somewhat confusing. Mm-hmm. Only about 7% of our respondents said, we, we get what we need to make sure the customer experience is where we want it to be. 47% said, we can get what we need if, if it's really cost justified and all our other equipment is end of life. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and another 41% said we're, we're mostly cost driven. It's, it's really hard to get anything yeah. new and four and a half percent. We are absolutely, they said we are absolutely cost driven. We get minimal to yeah. nothing. So, so we've got 93% of responding, responding companies saying customer experience is highly important or important, but only, but 46% said we are driven mostly or totally by cost containment. Mm-hmm. So that leaves a big chasm between attitude and action. Yeah. And what I expect will happen is as the generations evolve and the uh, millennial uh, managers get up to the uh, purse strings, we're going to see that change. And, and believe it or not, I am already seeing evidence. I've had people come up to me in conference and say, Look, I'm a millennial and I just approved a two and a half million dollar contract for our contact center. And I think there will be more and more people like that who get it. And the people who are maybe uh, stifling that sort of innovation 
in the customer service function now are eventually going to cycle out, Mm -hmm. whether they become obsolete and have to move on to something else or whether it just becomes they reach retirement age and and they're replaced by somebody with a a more progressive um, way of thinking. So, I mean, to to, to wrap up, this is a a trend that is not going to go away. Uh, So one way or another, the industry is going to have to face it. And I think it's not too early to start planning for it now. In fact, I would start planning for it now. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself being another yellow cab company. Right. <laughs> that's, that's that's great. And I, honestly, that disconnect between what they're, they think is important, what they're actually doing... <laughs> Explains so many of the customer interactions that I, you know, that I, I, I have on a, on a daily basis as a customer. It, it, so it's, it's exciting to see that, you know, we're starting to finally see that change. So uh, that, that was, that was fascinating. I, I really appreciate the time and effort that you put into that. I think you do a great job of drawing a through line through, you know, being able to understand, you know, how these gen- different generational differences are going to impact the contact center. And, and that's, uh, it's really, really informative stuff. So, um, you know, thank you for your time. Um, if, uh, you are looking for more of this type of information, um, Paul is, uh, very easy to find online. So, uh, you can go to his website, um, saddle, saddle, saddle tree, saddle tree research.com. Saddle tree research.com. Right. Uh, also puts out a monthly column on the contact center pipeline, which you can access from his website or, um, contact center pipeline.com. Uh, and, uh, you'll see a lot of this type of, uh, you know, very thoughtful, uh, academic, research-based approach um, to understanding customer experience and new technologies, artificial intelligence. You pretty much touch on just about everything. So um, you really, again, appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to us and all the work that you uh, do. Uh, it's uh, very, very valuable to everybody in the industry. So again, thank you for your time. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Brad. I appreciate it and uh, certainly enjoyed this. Thanks. Absolutely.